Warning, the following message may be offensive to some audiences. These audiences may include but are not limited to professing Christians who never read their Bible, sissies, sodomites, men with man buns, those who approve of men with man buns, man bun enablers, white knights for men with man buns, homemakers who have finished Netflix but don't know how to meal plan, and people who refer to their pets as fur babies. Viewer discretion is advised. People are tired of hearing nothing but doom and despair on the radio. The message of Christianity is that salvation is found in Christ alone, and any who reject Christ therefore forfeit any hope of salvation, any hope of heaven. The issue is that humanity is in sin and the wrath of Almighty God is hanging over our heads. They will hear his words, they will not act upon them, and when the floods of divine judgment, when the fires of wrath come, they will be consumed and they will perish. God wrapped himself in flesh, condescended, and became a man, died on the cross for sin, was resurrected on the third day, has ascended to the right hand of the Father, where he sits now to make intercession for us. Jesus is saying there is a group of people who will hear his words, they will act upon them, and when the floods of divine judgment come in that final day, their house will stand. Welcome to Bible Bash, where we aim to equip the saints for the works of ministry by answering the questions you're not allowed to ask. We are your hosts, Harrison Kerrig and Pastor Tim Mullet, and today we seek to answer the age-old question, how do I make a decision without feeling like a sleazy charismatic? And so really the, the idea behind this episode is, Tim, in my experience, I've seen a lot of people, I've got a lot of friends, I've even experienced this myself, where it seems like people are having harder and harder time making decisions for themselves, especially as it pertains to big life changing type decisions, whether that's where do I go to school after high school? Do I even go to school? You know, who do I get married to? How do I know if that person is the right person for me? What job do I work? What do I do with my finances? Where do I live? All these types of questions. It seems like people, at least in my perspective, are getting increasingly worse at making these kinds of decisions and really committing to them overall. And so I I was wondering as we're starting out here, is that kind of, is that your perception of things as well, that it seems like people, especially young Christians are having a harder and harder time making decisions and then committing to the decisions that they made? Yeah. I mean, certainly decision-making is uh, something that is uh, a, um, settled part of life. I mean, you think about the kind of decisions you make on a regular basis. We make thousands of small decisions every day, and we we don't often think about all the types of decisions that we're forced to make on a regular basis, just in terms of, you know, what you're going to, what time you're going to get up and what, uh, you know, what order you're going to do things in uh, when you get up. And so from the time you start your day to the time you end your day, your day is filled with thousands of decisions in general, and that's been true of most of life. Uh, but then there is this sense in which the kind of society that we're living in, because it's um, increasingly complex in a lot of ways, we are overloaded with uh, the types of decisions that people in past generations simply weren't overloaded with. Mm-hmm. Uh, so for for many points in history, for example, you think about um, choosing a profession or something along those lines. Uh, one of the things that you would notice is that if your dad was a farmer, you'd end up being a farmer. You know, if your dad was a tanner, you'd end up being a tanner. 
yeah, it was pretty straightforward for you, your, your yeah, path you, in you life. Had a, your path in life was, uh, you know, fairly determined by your social standing and your geographic location and the uh, knowledge and background of, of your father. And I mean, even in, you know, past generations, the idea of uh, arranged marriages were much more common. And so mm -hmm. you, you, you might not even have a choice as, as far as that's concerned either. <laughs> and, and so, um, when you think about today, though, as the world's been um, getting increasingly complex, one of the things that happens is that there are more and more decisions that are available to you. I mean, the sky's the limit in some way. Uh, so you live in, if you're living in America in general in the 21st century, uh, it is in, in a lot of ways the land of opportunity. But because it's a land of opportunity, there's really so many things that you could do for a career, for example, mm -hmm. that... Um, you, um, and, you know, some of those are going to be bounded by um, your talents and abilities and giftings. But then there's a lot of things that you could do that are just you're overloaded with decisions to make. I mean, you can't even go to Starbucks without being asked <laughs> to make uh, 10 different decisions about the <laughs> type of coffee you want. Right. Yeah. So so we're, we're living in a society that, that I mean, that would be a sign of blessing. Like that's a sign of blessing in a society that there's so many decisions, mm -hmm. but then it's also uh, for someone who hasn't really learned how to make a decision that can be a frustrating thing. And then I know that uh, for many years uh, the standard you know advice has always been uh, you know learn to you know look find a job you know for instance as it relates to employment find a job that you love so that you'll never have to feel like you're working or something right like you'll never signs. work a day in your life <laughs> you never work a day in your life but then there's been a you know a, a great number of people who have taken that advice uh, which I don't think is wonderful advice but we maybe we can get to that but they've taken that advice and and basically just agonized over well what do I love to do I don't know what I love to do mm -hmm. uh, and you know what and and they've made these things a little bit more complicated than what they have to be and uh, so the, the short of it is we, we are living at a unique point in history where there are a lot more opportunities and there's a lot more information out there and there's a lot more choices and, and those choices can be oppressive in a certain sense if you haven't ever really learned how to you know, learn the basics of decision making. Okay. Yeah. And, you know, what, what about uh, when it comes to Christians, you know, something that it seems like I've heard a lot is. Uh, Christians will typically, when it comes to making decisions, um, you know, obviously Christians want to honor the Lord. And I think in a lot of times they're coming uh, from a good place when they say these types of things. But essentially when it comes to making decisions for their themselves, especially big sort of life-changing decisions, they're typically looking to God to help them make that decision. Um, and that normally, normally looks something along the lines of like, "Hey, I'm I'm gonna pray a lot until I get a certain feeling, I guess, or you know, maybe they would call it like a, a prompting of the Holy Spirit, uh, or or maybe they're looking for some kind of sign from God to sort of uh, confirm their decision making. Do you, do you feel like you've noticed a lot of that yourself too, as it pertains to Christians? Yeah, I mean, as it relates to Christians, uh, there we we basically the Christian, <laughs> the uh, the American Church, if you want to, you know, overgeneralize, <laughs> mm -hmm. if there is such a thing. But uh, largely, uh, American Christianity has been taken over by Charismatics, 
uh, and that's what we're exporting all over the world. We've been, um, you know, I, I can just, I mean, I noticed in my own life and just the the background that I have, it used to be that, you know, being in largely Baptist circles, we were very skeptical of the charismatic movement, but mm-hmm. then due to the influence of, uh, you know, these uh, prosperity charismatic groups like Bethel and uh, uh, Bethel and uh, Hillsong and Jesus culture and uh, and all that, like uh, basically the Christian music has been taken over by the charismatics and and you know popular Christianity in America is essentially charismatic Christianity and we've we've lost a doctrine of the sufficiency of scriptures and essentially uh, we're largely we're 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 fairly charismatic in how we think about things uh, now most uh, most American Christians are not going to be. Um, uh, your run-of-the-mill CBN kind of uh, charismatics. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're they're probably not going to say that God audibly told them what decisions to make. Okay, right. <laughs> uh, but they are going to appeal to some sort of mystical guidance that God, in some way, in their feelings or through circumstances, uh, uh, through peace. Um, uh, maybe even in a crass way. I mean, I've heard uh, <laughs> Christians basically describe you know how uh they saw a license plate tag or something <laughs> to, <laughs> which was god speaking to them uh you know or if you're reading a lot of gospel coalition articles you might uh be uh hearing god's voice through the you know the r-rated movies you're watching but <laughs> but essentially uh you know american christianity has been largely taken over by the charismatic movement and instead of like having a doctrine of the sufficiency of scripture and looking to scriptures to uh, give you guardrails to make a decision with freedom. Essentially, what you have is you have some sort of mystical mechanism that the church has adopted uh, that's going to be subjectively determined, uh, which is equated with basically the Holy Spirit uh, giving new so- revelation specifically to you in some sense, uh, probably short of you know an audible voice, but essentially uh, that level of authoritative that's going to basically take uh, any responsibility you actually have to make a decision away from you and basically mm-hmm. god will tell you what to do <laughs> essentially yeah. so what what's happened is like basically we we uh, we've been brainwashed and trained to basically reject the idea of making decisions and basically look to God to make all of our decisions for us. Mm-hmm. So the spiritual person is going to be the person who has never made that decision in his life. He just is walking in step with the spirit and listening to the voice of the spirit and God will, you know, basically make all the decisions for them. But then the problem is that, you know, on a practical level, it seems that the Holy Spirit is always t- telling them to do everything that they already want to do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's funny you meant it's funny you mentioned that because I was uh, it made me think of you know back when I was in um, high school and I was I was having to decide what am I going to do after high school. I remember uh, one day, you know, I I was feeling especially uh, pious this day, I guess, and so I decided, you know what, I'm going to let. God decide what I should do uh-huh. after high school. And so uh-huh. I knew what I already wanted to do, but I was going to, you know, I was going to let God decide for me. And if it happened to be what I wanted to do, then great, you know, but if not, then okay, well, it's what God wanted, wanted for my life. And so I remember I sat down on my couch in the living room when no one else was home and I, and I prayed to God and, you know, I, I asked him, what do you want me to do after high school? 
And then I, I sat there for a minute and nothing happened. <laughs> and so I, I asked the question again, all right, all right, what do you want me to do after high school? Do you want me to go to college? You know, do you want me to go to this school? Do you want me to go to that school? And then when I finally, when I finally mentioned the school that I actually wanted to go to, I sat there for maybe a little longer than I, I sat <laughs> waiting for all of the other schools that I asked about. And, and I remember I felt something in my chest and then there I thought yeah. I'm obviously getting something from God. God is telling me that I need to go to this school that I already wanted to go to anyways. <laughs> and so, well, so I, I am actually someone who's, who's done this very thing that, that we're, uh, we're talking about, but, it, but it is curious that, you know, it wasn't well, until it, it I mentioned just, the school that I really wanted to go to that I yeah. felt like God was prompting me. <laughs> well, see, but sometimes it, yeah, sometimes it works in the opposite way, uh, too. And so, um, like, you know, it's God when, um, when it's what you want, but then sometimes, um, so I mean, I have a funny story like that too. I mean, I remember I wanted to get married when I was, you know, in uh, college or whatever, mm-hmm. and I was looking around. And I couldn't find a girl that uh, I was even remotely interested in, um, and it's hard to find a godly girl. I mean, it's hardly it's hard to find a girl that you're uh, period, you know. But then you add on to that spiritual qualifications. But I, I remember that I I was in class one time and I was. Yeah, I just started reading the Bible, and I'm I'm thinking, man, like um, I'm looking at the example of uh, 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 Abraham's servant looking for a wife for Isaac, <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> and you know, essentially, he says, "Hey, let the he." So he's trying to arrange a arrange a wife for Isaac, and he says, "Well, let let it be the one that uh, draws, you know, comes to the well to draw water, and I'll ask her to draw water for me and the camels also, and let it be that one that is the one that I'm supposed to bring back for Isaac, mm-hmm. or whatever." And so I'm sitting there in the university, and I'm I'm sitting there thinking to myself, "Well." All right, Lord, I'm just, I'm, I'm in my class early. There's no one here. I'm like 30 minutes early. I'm just going to lay down. I'm going to put my head on the desk and I'm going to, I'm going to go to sleep. I'm just going to pretend like I'm asleep or whatever, or just, but I said, Lord, let the woman I'm supposed to marry be the one who comes in here. (laughs) (laughs) It wakes me up. Yes, it was great. It was great. It, It wakes me up from my sleep. Uh, and, and one of my classmates, like females, came in there just a few minutes later and woke me up <laughs> and, and uh, had some information to give me about that. And I, and when I heard who it was, I was like, oh, no, Lord, not that one. <laughs> I, that must not have been it. That must not have been it. No, I must have misread this one. But then that, that, was, that was something, though, that caused me never to do that kind of thing again. But... <laughs> I must uh, I must have uh, that I must have got my wires qu- crossed on that one but right, um, right. it's funny how that works uh, but oh. uh, um, <laughs> okay so yeah so I guess essentially um, you know <laughs> if we could boil it down basically it, it seems like a lot of a lot of the issue with decision making is just hey there's so many choices I mean you know we're run, we're kind of running into I guess like choice overload in a lot of ways right. in our life. And then the other aspect of it is because, because we're, you know, we're running into choice overload. There's so many things that we have to think through for ourselves, 
which in one way is a, a great blessing. Obviously, we should be thankful for that, you know, because it's a sign of prosperity. But then um, it can be made into a, a bad thing when we start to say, all right, how do I remove myself from the responsibility of making all of these different choices? And then, you know, oh, they, it, they, yeah. They, and then we're influenced by the charismatic movement too, right. to where it's essentially basically training us to reject the idea of actually having to make a decision ourselves right. because we can just get the Holy spirit to do it for us. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, now we, we've done an episode before on, you know, does God still speak to us today? But I wanted, I still wanted to ask you this question for people who maybe haven't heard that episode yet, but obviously the Bible says that God does actually have a plan for our lives. Um, you know, uh, I mean, this is a prom, this is a promise that he makes, um, to us, uh, and, sure. and it's a plan to prosper us, not to harm us. Right. That, that's, that's what he says. Um, and to bring, and to glorify himself. Um, so if God does have a plan for our lives, then why is it that he doesn't just tell us what it is, right? Why doesn't he, why doesn't he tell us all of the specifics of what this plan is that he's drawn up for us? Yeah, well, I think there's a there's a variety of reasons why that would be the case, uh, but then there's a there's a variety of examples in the scripture that would essentially tell us that he doesn't plan to do that at all. <laughs> okay. Okay. So, I mean, if you think about, um, I mean, I just <laughs> the Bible talks about the secret things belong to the Lord, and the things that are revealed belong to us and our children forever, that we may do the words of this law. Uh, so, God. Uh, Basically, um, it, nothing requires actual work or effort from God, but God did go to a lot of, you know, in quote, 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 unquote work <laughs> to put together, to put together the scriptures uh, that he has given to us. So Second uh, uh, Peter says, that, you know, essentially that God has given or Second uh, Peter one basically says that God's given us everything that we need, everything that we need for life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. And so in God's word, he's given us everything that we need. For life and godliness, mm-hmm. he's given us a roadmap. He's given us the Bible. He's given us, um, he, he's given us what we need in order to know how to honor Him. So, if our goal is to honor God, He's given us in His Word what we need. And this is a doctrine that we used to understand. We understood the doctrine of the sufficiency of the Scripture. Mm-hmm. The Scriptures are, you know, a, a light into our feet and a lamp into our path. The God, if you want to know how to please God, it's not mysterious. He's not trying to confuse you. He's not hidden his will out there somewhere mm-hmm. that you just have to, you know, strain to find or, you know, wrestle to find. He's given us the scriptures so that we know how to honor him. And he's not, you know, uh, he's not trying to confuse us. You know, he doesn't have some kind of secret, you know, commands out there that you have to, you know, strain to find. He's given us the Bible in order mm-hmm. to do that. And, and then, you know, you don't like the over and over and over again. I mean, there's just passages in the Bible, which tell you that God, like you, you know, you don't like uh, you don't know what a day is going to bring, right? <laughs> like, mm-hmm. You know, come now, you who say that we're going to go uh, to such and such place and go and uh, sell and make a profit and everything else. You don't know what you don't know what what a day will bring. You don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. Only God knows has access to the future. You don't have access to the future. Mm-hmm. You don't you don't know the day that you're going to die. God has appointed a certain plan for you in your life. 
he's appointed a certain number of days that you're going to actually live, but you're not, he hasn't given you access to the future. He, he's not given you those things. And so, so when we're told, you know, don't worry about tomorrow, tomorrow's going to take care of itself, sufficient today or the troubles thereof. I mean, essentially God tells you to worry about today and making decisions today. He's the one who knows the future, not you. And so you don't, but the, that frees us. We don't have to know the future. You don't have to know what's happening tomorrow. You don't have to know all the entailments of every decision you make. So God certainly has a plan that's going to involve everything that you do, but he hasn't given you access to it. He's given you the scriptures and like that should be a source of comfort to us. Uh, but then uh, what what's happening is that you have a lot of people who have basically bought into this charismatic delusion that God has some sort of secret will out there that you have to mm-hmm. strain to find that he's not telling you what it is. And so then like that's just, you know, depressing for most people <laughs> essentially mm-hmm. because it's just like I want to honor the Lord with my life. And and the standard kind of person doesn't think to themselves, well, if I want to honor the Lord, well, why not just do what he says, do the things that his will actually tells me to do. Right. Instead, they're looking for some sort of hidden secret will out there that uh, God hasn't revealed that's going to essentially uh, beat him over the head, you know, if they mm-hmm. get it wrong. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah. Okay. So, yeah, God obviously has a plan for us, which means that, you know, he's sovereign over all things. Um you know, this plan that he has, it can't be foiled by anything. There's nothing that will has happened or will happen that could ever you know, stop his plans. Right. So, so if, yeah, I mean, Ephesians says that God works all things according to the counsel of his will. Right. So. Right. So if that, if that's true, if God is sovereign and, and nothing can stop his plan, is there a sense in which it doesn't matter what decisions we make and, and what we choose? Um, when it comes to those decisions, does it not matter at all? Well, uh, the, you know, everything that happens is going to happen in some sense by the plan of God and through the will of God. But then, uh, you know, God is going to accomplish His will mm-hmm. through our obedient actions, through our sinful actions, through our unwise actions, through our wise actions mm-hmm. and wise choices. And so, you know, there's, there's a sense in which, um, you know, there, there is no like, um, and people talk about this as it relates to decision-making all the time. They, they're trying to find God's will for their life. Uh, but then, you know, they do better just to try to figure out, well, what is God's will in general? And then let me devote myself to doing that. Mm-hmm. But then God's going to be glorified no matter what. And he's at work no matter what. And he is sovereign no matter what. It, but then the thing is, it does. It it's not that it doesn't matter what you do. Like it, it doesn't matter what you do in the sense of, you know, nothing you do is going to take God by surprise, and mm-hmm. like everything that we do is going to ultimately work to glorify God and make His people more like Him. But then the problem is that uh, <laughs> like, there are, um, you, you know, if you make an unwise choice, then you know, what a man sows, don't be deceived, God's not mocked. What a man sows, he will reap. If he reaps to the flesh, he will, uh, or if he sows to the flesh, he will reap to the flesh corruption. So you can either, like if you make a, a, an unwise or sinful choices, then you'll probably experience the fruit of those unwise or sinful choices, okay? Mm-hmm. So it, like, what do you want to experience? Like if you want to be well-pleasing to God, then you devote yourself to the things that he tells you to, to do, which are well-pleasing to him. 
So, you know, we, we're responsible to make wise decisions. We're responsible to make um, obedient decisions. And God's given us scripture to tell us what wise and obedient decisions actually look like. And you, your experience of life will largely be determined by the kind of decisions that you actually make. But then mm-hmm. you can rest easy to know that, you know, there's nothing you can do that is going to take you outside of God's plan or violate God's plan. And even if you suffer for, you know, suffer from, you know, poor and foolish choices, essentially, God's going to work that together to make you more like him and to glorify himself. And so there, you, the, you, know, you don't have to um, overly stress. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, like, keep go going. Ahead. Keep going. Well, I was just going to say, I mean, there's like, there's the hyper Calvinist kind of position on decision making that essentially is kind of like fatalism. It's like, well, if God's planned it all in some sense, then what does it matter? And it's like, well, <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, I mean, yeah, he, he's, he's planned it all in some sense, but then, um, the issue is it does matter whether or not you're a Pharaoh in God's plan or <laughs> like you don't want to be Pharaoh in God's yeah, plan. You don't want right? to be Pharaoh. You don't want yeah, to be Pharaoh. Right. And so, um, so the thing is like, you, um, it, 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 like it, it, you can, you can be the, the guy that is, you know, stubbornly hardening your heart and rejecting wisdom and mm-hmm. reaping the bitter fruit of that through decisions that you'll make that'll last that'll have long-term entailments or you can be the guy who just you know trusts the lord with all your heart obeys the lord and um follows him and and gets to experience you know some of the blessings that come from um not rejecting wisdom you know so so it does yeah it, God, god's gonna you know one of the most comfort things is there's no plan b for your life there isn't a plan b <laughs> uh-huh god's god's in charge and you know none of the you know dumb decisions i've made in my life god god was aware of the dumb decisions i was going to make and he was working them towards his greater plan to glorify himself and to help me mm-hmm. uh, so you can't ever take yourself out of god's will it's not some bullseye that you have to find like people talk about like but uh, at the same time you, you you sow to the flesh, you'll reap to the flesh. You sow to the spirit, you'll reap to the spirit. And, mm-hmm. and, which, and so, yeah. Yeah. So, so basically, if I could kind of summarize what you're saying, uh, essentially what you're saying is that we are still held responsible for the decisions that we make. But at the same time, God is sovereign over everything that takes place in the world. So, and so much so that even the evil decisions that are that are made throughout all of history um those are a part of God's ultimate plan so like you know i think of uh joseph with his brothers they you know that's probably the story that um most people will think of when we when you talk about these kinds of things you know his his brothers hate him um and so they want to kill him and then end up just selling him into slavery and telling his dad that he's dead. And then years and years later, after he's gone through uh, two imprisonments, um, he's eventually basically the right hand of Pharaoh. And, and he tells his brothers, you know, what, what the famous line that everyone knows now, what you planned for evil, God meant for good. Um, and so we're held responsible for our decisions, but then ultimately, um, uh, the plan, God's plan won't be thrown off, even when people make, you know, 
uh, quote unquote, like, I guess like wrong decisions or maybe a more accurate term would be um, unrighteous or unwise decisions. Is that, is that a fair summary? Yeah, that's a fair. I mean, God's plan is not going to be thrown off. I mean, it's funny. I mean, I look at my life and I think I see some of the unwise decisions that I've made. Oh yeah. And like, there's, there's a lot, there's a lot of them. (laughs) 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 But then uh, one of the things that's funny is that, you know, I've had people in my life who have asked for advice and you know, that God's, uh, I've, I've uh, done a lot of things in my life the hard way. And so mm-hmm. I've war- been able to warn other people, don't, don't do it that way. It's a lot easier. And then when they actually take that advice, it's neat to see how different their life actually is than how mine was <laughs> at different points. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but then it's like, how could you help people spare them from some of the heartache and pain that you went through without you having to go through it uh, in, in a certain sense to be able to warn them uh, in a way that you right. need. And so God will work all these things uh, together for good and and he has a plan in all of it, it wise and unwise good and bad uh, you're not going to take them by surprise uh, and at the same t- same time i mean like um you know you are the one responsible to make choices in your life and those kind of choices that you make like you're not going to make them apart from him um being at work in your life and in your own heart uh but there are entailments of it and ultimately you know nothing's going to separate if you're his nothing's going to separate you from his love and you know there's uh you don't have to stress about it and, and i think part of the whole charismatic decision making process is a process that is filled with stress essentially because you're struggling and straining to find this hidden thing instead of devoting yourself to the things that are actually revealed mhm yeah yeah and um now you you said earlier that really when it comes to decision making we should we need to recognize that as Christians God has already revealed everything necessary for us to live lives in obedience to him and and the way that uh he's revealed that is um uh, through scripture scripture is sufficient for all things uh in this life in order for us to you know, honor and glorify him. And so there's a sense in which the more we know scripture, um, the, the better off we are, uh, you know, I mean, that's probably an obvious statement to make, but the more, the more we know scripture, the, um, the, the more informed we can be when it comes to decision-making. Now the hard the hard part for a lot of people is, you know, when, when they're reading the Bible, I think a lot of times they're kind of expecting something else from scripture uh, there. I think a lot of times I know I've done this in the past where I've, I've needed to make a decision. And then I, I think to myself, you know what, let me go to the Bible and, and see if I can find an answer in the Bible. And so and I end up, you know, looking through and looking through and searching and, you know, let's say, let's say this is way back before I was ever married. And, and I'm thinking to myself, who do I need to marry? Let me see what the Bible has to say. And and I'm searching for the verse that says, Harrison, <laughs> here is the name of the person you need to marry, right? But then there's obviously not a there's not a verse in the Bible that says, Harrison, here's the person you need to marry, right? Uh so if if the Bible is sufficient for uh informing us how to make all the decisions we need to make in this life. But then it it doesn't have those verses that say here's the person you need to marry or here's the job you need to take or here's the school you need to go to here's what you need to do with your finances 
if that if that's not how it works, then how exactly should we um, go about the decision making the uh, the decision making process? What exactly does that look like? Yeah, I guess I have so many comments on that that I don't know how to. Uh, <laughs> There's a lot. To uh, I don't know how to start, but um, yeah, there, there there obviously is that impulse. Uh, maybe I'll just start here. There's there's that impulse people have to look at the Bible and they're asking very specific questions of it. The the kind of questions that it's not going to answer, and that's what discourages them. So it's like, yeah, tell me the person who I'm going to marry, and then you're looking up a verse to tell you, you know, Harrison. K rig and <laughs> when was your wedding year? <laughs> uh, 2017. In 2017, should marry Kayla, you know. And so, like, the problem though is that, like, if that were, if the Bible, book, Bible were that kind of book, I mean, imagine how long it would actually be. It'd be pretty long <laughs> to have all the decisions <laughs> that anyone wants to know. And it's just like, well, I guess it just doesn't address these issues. Well, no, the problem is it does address these kind of issues, but then not in a way that you realize. Mm -hmm. Uh, So there's, you know, as you read the Bible, one of the things you're going to find, and I, you know, when I was, when I was in early college, this is something I, I I was wrestling with because everyone was talking about the will of God and finding the will of God. And, you know, I want, do you want to find the will of God for your life? And, you know, that kind of stuff. And, and typically what everyone wanted to happen with that kind of thing was you're supposed to be struggling and straining to find God's will for your life. Uh, uh, but then it didn't feel, but, but it's just like, I don't, what am I, what am I waiting for? Am I waiting for some voice from heaven? What am like, just some, mm-hmm. how do I know? Like, how am I, but, but, you know, it dawned on me at some point it was like, well, God has given me the Bible, which I don't read. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and so maybe I should go to the Bible to figure out what God wants me to do. And I'm going to see what it says about the will of God. And one of the things that was kind of remarkable to me about this was that, as I'm reading the Bible, it's like, you have all these verses, like, you know, First Thessalonians 4, 4, 3, this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality. And I thought, huh, you know, or First Thessalonians 5, 18, uh, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Mm-hmm. And like, so you, th- you think about things like that, like, uh, like God tells you in his word, you know, if you want to know what God's will, I'm sitting there struggling and straining, well, what's God's will for my life, right? Mm-hmm. And it's just like, well, abstain from sexual immorality is God's will. Give thanks in all circumstances. It's like, oh, no, I don't want that. That's not what I'm, oh, yeah, obviously I should do that, right? But I'm looking for something else. But then at some point in my life, it's just like, well, maybe, why why am I just treating the obvious as if it's just un, irrelevant to this question I'm asking? Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, like, like this is, it, maybe I should just devote myself to the obvious things right uh, but then this is this is um if you want to kind of think about how this works I mean, um you think about adam in the garden and so you know adam and eve in the garden they're given one command essentially uh mm-hmm. they're, they're told don't eat of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil from the day that you eat of it you know dying you're gonna die mm-hmm. and so like if adam and eve were kind of like we are then essentially Adam and Eve would be there in the garden and what they would have been doing is like, Lord, I want to know your will for my life. I want to know what your will for my life is. You know, which which 
fruit do I eat first? (laughs) (laughs) There's so many. Which one do you want me to I don't, I I, got to get it right. I got to get it right. You know, Mm -hmm. do I eat the peach first or do I eat the apple first? You know, and how many of the peaches do I eat and how many of apples do I eat and what time do I eat them during the day? (laughs) And, you know, and, and like the way we're trained to think though, is that that's like the spiritual person, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Like the spiritual person is the one who's so in tune with the spirit that they, the Holy Spirit just whispers to them every, every long, you know, every, everywhere they go, all the commands that he's going to have for them. And they just have to listen and obey. And that's where you get like the crazy Beth Moore, you know, brushing homeless man's hair at the airport kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah, But the, but the problem is that that wasn't the arrangement. Like the arrangement was you can do whatever you want, Adam, Mm -hmm. (laughs) just don't eat this one. Mm-hmm. So there's one command. So what, what what happened there is in the garden, there's a lot of freedom that was given with one constraint. Right. So you have freedom with one constraint. They didn't have to second guess every choice they made. They could do what they wanted to do. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. And, and it's like they could do You can eat whatever fruit you want to, Adam, in whatever order you want to eat it. You only have one command here. And so you're in a garden of yes, and there's one no. Like So there's just all this freedom that you have, and you don't have to worry. God's not trying to trick you. He's not trying to trip you up. Just do the thing he told you to do, right? and the whole human race wouldn't be falling to sin, right? Mm-hmm. Now, what's happened is that, like, you know, you know Eve essentially you know, says, you know, Satan is temp- temp- uh, tempting Eve, and she says, well, God says we can't, you know, even— um, uh, touch the fruit, right? Mm-hmm. Lest we die. And so it, what's happened is that sinful human beings, they want to add to God's commands. And that's what we're doing in this decision-making process is that we're adding all sorts of commands to the commands he actually give, gives us. And then we treat the commands that we added as if they're the real commands. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Right. So, you know, when you think about, you know, the way God's will actually works in the Bible. If you want just to think about what, like, what are we doing wrong? Well, one of the things to realize is that if you just like first think to yourself, like God's not trying to trick me in how to make a decision. He's mm-hmm. told me what he wants to do. Then one of the things that you might find is that as you're trying to answer a lot of these questions, you know, what is God's will? Like first, just devote yourself to knowing what is God's will, period. And he'll tell you in the Bible, you know, this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality. So maybe you have a lot of freedom you know, in what you're going to do. You can pick, you know, largely you have a lot of freedom in what kind of job you're going to pick. You have largely have a freedom in what kind of wife you're going to pick. You know, the Bible mm-hmm. says marry, marry whom you will, only marry in the Lord. Mm-hmm. Maybe there's a lot of freedom <laughs> that you have. Just don't marry an unbeliever if you're a Christian. Uh, you know, you don't. Like, uh, there's a lot of freedom about what job you do, you know, whatever hand finds to do, do it with all your might, <laughs> mm-hmm. right? Uh, for work, you know, is a gift of God. Uh, uh, and so, uh, so, but then think about what are the commands there. And, and, and the problem is that for the vast majority of people, they have little to no inf- like interest whatsoever, you know, the professing Christians in actually obeying the things God has revealed. And they're totally fixated on all the things he hasn't revealed. Mm-hmm. And that, so they're mixing up the two categories and, and basically they're treating the unrevealed, like the unrevealed category as if that's the real way to honor God instead of realizing that, you know, the real way to honor God is just deal with the things he's revealed and then accept that there's freedom to make decisions too. Does that make sense? Yeah. Basically meaning, uh, like going back to the job example, 
uh, God has commanded every person to work, um, to find something to do. Um, now he didn't say, you know, so-and-so you need to work this job and then so-and-so you need to work that job. He just said, everyone needs to work. So the way that Christians need to read that is they, or they need to look at that and say, Hey, you know what? I need to find a job somewhere. Uh, And so, and that'll honor the Lord. So if I decide to, you know, go and get the accountant job, I can honor the Lord and that accountant job. Um, If I decide to go get the job at McDonald's, I can honor the Lord by getting the job at McDonald's. Right. That's kind of, of what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. There's, um, there's a lot of freedom that's involved. And so, uh, so what, what's happening is that there's, um, there, uh, what what's happened is that for the for the basic you know charismatic kind of influence Christian, they have little to no tolerance for actually doing the things the Bible actually tells them to do, and they think that in order to you know find God's will, they have to find the secret things, right? Mm-hmm. So the Bible essentially says, "Hey, the secret things belong to the Lord, but the things revealed belong to you and your children, that we may do the words of the law." So if you want to know what God's will is, just look at what it is in the Bible and devote yourself to the things that are revealed. Mm -hmm. So the vast majority of people are preoccupied with the unrevealed things instead of the revealed things. But then Mm -hmm. there's a lot of freedom that you're given, but then what people don't have then is they're missing this category of wisdom related to the freedom. Right. So, so basically um, there's um, there's a, you know, there's right and wrong in the Bible, black mm-hmm. and white. And so there's laws that are given, like abstain from sexual immorality, marry whom you will, marry in the Lord. There's freedom. Like there's there's a few laws that are there and you need to know what they actually are. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, but, the, you know, there's like largely, I mean, you know, given the, the thousands of decisions you make a day, God's not micromanaging everything. <laughs> right. Going he on he didn't He's command you, you to few... wear a red shirt today and a blue shirt tomorrow. <laughs> right. Right. I mean, there's a few commands that he's given that, uh, you know, that, that are more than like uh, two, you know, but I mean, there's a few <laughs> that, mm-hmm. in comparison to the thousands of decisions you make. He's given you a few, you know, that you need to know, know what they are. And so there's the black and white. And then there's a, there's a, there's a lot of freedom there. And then within when that freedom, you can exercise it in a wise way and you can exercise it in a foolish way. Uh, but what people have done is that they don't have a category for wisdom, mm-hmm. essentially. So who are they? I mean, you, you know, think about like a subject like marriage, like you're trying to find Mr. Wise, right? No, <laughs> you're trying to find Mr. Right or Mr. Right, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, you, like, are you trying to find a, are you trying to make a wise marriage choice? No, what you're trying to make is like, you're trying to find that soulmate, that person that God has for you, right? right. That one and only person that you could, ap- you know, marry. And, but then the problem is, it's just like, there is like, God's like, you can marry whom you will. You can make a wise marriage choice. And if you want to know how to make a wise marriage choice, go to the book of Proverbs and figure out what makes for a wise marriage choice. Just read through the book of Proverbs, and that, in part, is trying to tell you the difference between a wise marriage choice and, and a mm-hmm. foolish marriage choice. And so, but then there's freedom there, and you're responsible to make a decision. And but then there's a category of wisdom. 
So you mm-hmm. can pick a wise job, you can pick a foolish job, right? Right. <laughs> yeah, the accountant uh, job might be uh, right. the wiser job in comparison to the McDonald's job. But then right. so they would neither yeah. one would necessarily be sinful to take, right? Right, but I mean, there are uh, so. Th- but then there might be some sinful jobs to take, like mm-hmm. adult entertainer or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would probably. I, I mean, it, not <laughs> fall in the you know, right category. Oh, and I think a lot of the jobs that you know, there's there's a there's probably a lot more than we realize. I think there's this assumption that any job is on the table unless it's like a, the adult entertainer job mm-hmm. or something like that. But I think that there's probably a lot more jobs that a Christian who's a thoughtful Christian would say, I can't take this job without necessarily sinning. Right. So, like if you're working in a job that is, you know, requiring you to lie to your customers, you you can't take that. Right. Mm-hmm. You can't take that job. Or you take it and you get fired, you know, you say, I'm not going to lie, um, you know, or it, I think that there's a lot of, it, it, there's a lot of jobs that are, that people aren't thinking about that, mm-hmm. you know, you, that are going to force you to uh, reject the scriptures at, at a certain point. Um, and, and so you, so I, I wouldn't just say they're all on the, they're all equally fine so long as they're not just, but, but I would, I would say that there are you know, sinful jobs to take and there are mm-hmm. wise and unwise and probably the accountant and uh, McDonald's kind of thing would probably be on the permissibility spectrum, mm-hmm. you know, which one is wiser than another, you know? Right. So, right. so there's that, but, but that's the part of the problem is that we, we only have this category of right and wrong because we're, we're trying to figure out, well, what is God's will as if it's going to be, micromanaging every little decision you make which i mean really is irrational you know it's like a really irrational way to think because like you make a thousand decisions every day harrison you know yeah we we don't think this way about um every single decision we make lord what time is your will for me to wake up today right you know no one thinks what what will what is your will for me to brush my teeth or take a shower first when i wake up or should i Wait, you know, like nobody, no one does nobody that. thinks that way. And if you are thinking that way, please stop thinking that way. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but you don't. It only, the only, you just, like, what happens is you realize on a day to day basis, like with most of the decisions you make, that there's some freedom, whether or not you acknowledge it or not. Mm-hmm. And then once you have a big decision to make, then you, you, uh, you, then you totally transition into super spiritual charismatic prophet mode, you know, <laughs> to yeah. where the only way you, you're paralyzed with, you know, fear that you're going to get it wrong, you know, and God has to tell you what to do. But it's just mm-hmm. like, hey, didn't you, didn't you pick your coffee at Starbucks that you went to? And didn't you figure out, like, didn't you pick the time you're going to wake up, you know, and didn't you pick the clothes that you're going to wear today? And didn't you, yeah. <laughs> pick your shampoo and your toothpaste and your, you know, was there some, you know, word from the heaven telling you how to do each one of those, you know? Mm -hmm. And so no one maintains that, but then, but what we need to do is we need to reclaim, Hey, if you want to know God's will, look for it in the scriptures. And then there's wise and unwise ways to make decisions. And then as you're going to approach the scripture, the more that, you know, like, I mean, you, you, you basically have two ways of making a decision. One is you think, well, the Bible is sufficient, right? Mm Mm-hmm. So I needed to know what the Bible says and get other people to help me to know what the Bible says. And that's going to involve what are the rules and how do, how do I pursue wisdom? 
And then you have the charismatic approach, which is going to, in some sense, try to short circuit that process mm-hmm. to where you're just getting a direct answer to what you want. Right. Uh, um, yeah, so, you know, which can come in different ways, you know, through my silly testing, you know, <laughs> like, uh, Lord, tell me through my thoughts and feelings. Lord, tell me through my circumstances. Right. You know, Lord, tell me through my moods, you know, tell me through. Um, it's totally arbitrary. Right. Open doors and closed doors. Yeah. You know. But you're either looking to your, you know, experience uh, or your feelings in some ways to determine what God's will is, or you're going to say, hey, we have a sufficient word in the scriptures to tell us what to Mm -hmm. do. And those are two very different outlooks in life and two very different ways to approach life in that way. Yeah. Um, It's funny. um, This is slightly going going back to something we were talking about a minute ago, but it's funny that we're talking about – Basically, it's it's crucial that we know Scripture as well as we possibly can so that we know what honors God and, and what dishonors God. And I think earlier when I was talking about Joseph, I said something about him being in prison twice. And what I actually meant was he was enslaved and then imprisoned. Um, so right. may, maybe I need to go back and read the story. Maybe I don't know it as well as I should. But um. I wanted to clarify that when I was thinking back on it, but um, I was really glad that you brought up wisdom and all of this, because I do think a lot of people kind of view at least the, the big life decisions almost as like a, there's a right answer and then there's a thousand wrong answers. And I need to make sure I pick the right answer. But then the problem is God hasn't told me, what the right answer is. So I need to go to him and I need to ask him. A lot of people think that way, but then the reality is it, there are certain things that would qualify as, um, you know, a quote unquote, right, uh, decision, um, to make and a wrong decision to make. So the obvious wrong decision would be if I'm searching for the job, I probably don't need to be, you know, the stripper, right. That probably wouldn't (laughs) honor God, but then, you know, should I be the McDonald's worker? Well, I mean, there's there's nothing inherently sinful about being a McDonald's worker. Um, but then, you know, is that the wisest thing? Well, if if you're knowing that, hey, I'm going to have to start a family and be able to support them one day, well, then maybe that's not the wisest decision for you to make. Um, so I, I think that's a pretty helpful distinction to make. Uh, and, and people need to really recognize the value of wisdom and why the Bible talks about wisdom so much. But my, my follow-up question, now that you've mentioned wisdom, I, and I was thinking about this while you were, while you were talking, but I, I think hopefully for people it makes a lot of sense. Like, hey, there's a lot of choices that boil down to um, not right and wrong, but you know, probably um, maybe wise and unwise, or I, I don't know how we want to label. Yeah, you know, that's fine. Wise, wise, or unwise, wise yeah. and unwise decisions. So hopefully that makes sense for a lot of people. And um, I, I, I wanted to ask you, you know, okay, we need to make wise decisions. Well, that sounds easy enough, right? Until you, until it's time to actually do it. Like how exactly do we go about gaining the wisdom necessary um, to make wise choices. 
especially as it pertains to, you know, big life changing type decisions, where exactly do we go to, to get this wisdom? How, what, what does that look like? The Bible is a book that's intended to help us to do that. I mean, you have, um, you know, whole books of the Bible that are described as being part of a broader category of wisdom literature, mm-hmm. you know, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, uh, the Song of Songs, you know, you, you, Job, you can put Job in there too. Uh, you have what's called wisdom literature in the Bible. So um, like the, the thing is with, with uh, these types of, these types of things, what you're not talking about when you're talking about biblical wisdom is just what you might describe as like purely uh, pragmatic considerations, although that does factor into what would constitute wisdom. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, but, uh, you know, if, if you want to just like think about, well, how does wisdom work? I mean, you're going to have guardrails in the Bible. So the first kind of question that you want to ask is, well, what are God's commands that mm-hmm. he's given? And, and that should be the first, like, you, you know, you're going to go make a decision. You're going to choose, like, what job you do. First, start out with just the com- commands that God has given and the the camp commands that God's given in the Scripture, and those are going to be guardrails. But then there's certain principles that God gives in the Scriptures, too, that are going to help you to navigate, like, bigger decisions and uh, why, you know, in terms of, you know, big decisions, small decisions, how you 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 order your affairs and and there's no way like in the course of a podcast I'm going to be able to tell uh, anyone the sum total of all biblical wisdom okay <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> uh, but what but the thing is yes I mean like if you if you know the Bible then like the more that you know the Bible the more that you know wisdom in the Bible the more that you're going to know all that God has required of you. And that's going to help you to navigate certain scenarios and situations. But then the Bible says that there's wisdom in the multitude of counselors. And part of the reason why there's a wisdom in a multitude of counselors is because the Bible is kind of a big book. And there's been people who've read it a lot more than you have. And whenever you're trying to make a decision, like a God-honoring decision, one of the things that you should probably do is to go and ask all the you know, older, wiser, godlier pastors, you mm-hmm. know, uh, family members like, hey, uh, do you? And this is something you know I would do is, do you see anything in the Bible that applies to this kind of scenario that I'm not seeing? Okay, mm-hmm. and so I, I don't think like I don't think what you want to do is just ask for their own advice in some sort of unqualified way, period, and, and then treat that advice as if it's comparable to Scripture or something. I think one of the things you want to do is ask, like, what do you see? And as you've studied the Bible. What are some things that I, I should be looking for in terms of, you know, how to make a decision? So maybe just to get practical, uh, you know, someone is um, like if you if you want to make a you know biblical decision about, let's say, finding a spouse or something like that. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, I mean, there's a lot that the Bible actually says about that, about how to make a decision. So, um, for example, like. The Bible says a man who finds a wife finds a good thing. So that means that if you want to get married, then you probably should be looking, right? Yeah, yeah. So you should be looking. So like right sense. now, wisdom would say, I need, you know, your man looking for a wife, you need to look. So that 
might involve asking around, you know, asking people, (laughs) (laughs) do you know any godly girls? You know, uh, you probably want to put yourself in the kind of situations that uh, godly girls are going to be at. You think about um, like the example of Ruth putting herself in Boaz's field, that kind of thing. You you probably want to put yourself in situations where you might be around (laughs) Mm -hmm. godly women. But I mean, I remember when I was looking for a spouse, when I was in that time in my life, I I would go around and I would ask godly people. I'd I'd say, hey, tell me about marriage. I want to learn about marriage. What are the biggest problems you faced in your marriage? What are the things that you look for? Uh, You know, what what would be some things that you would uh, encourage uh, young, you know, people who are looking for a spouse to look for in a spouse? And and, what I wanted to hear was biblical things to look for, right? Mm Mm-hmm. uh, and so then, you know, as you read through the Bible, you know, you're going to find um, all sorts of things. And so over and over again, in the Proverbs, you see, you know, a contentious woman is better at the corner of a rooftop than a contentious woman. And so just like that would be the kind of thing where you say, OK, well, it seems like I can marry whom I will only marry in the Lord. I need to find someone. There's, you know, God has God may or may not have someone planned. He hasn't promised me a spouse, but then I'm free to pick who I want to pick. But then if I marry a girl who's contentious, I might have a tough life, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then like the Proverbs talks about the importance of hard work. And I'm looking at Proverbs 31 and, and, and that describes a woman who is very diligent. So if I pick a lazy wife who is contentious, I might have a tough life, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Am I free to do it? Sure. You know? So, but then like that's where wisdom kicks in to just talk about those two things in particular. Then, well... Like, obviously, there's some sort of spectrum between hardworking women and lazy women, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. Like, they operate on some sort of spectrum and like, well, what is the exact standard of perfection? Well, I don't know. Do, do you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't like. So I yeah. can marry someone who is more diligent and who is like, um, uh, like uh, has a soft answer that turns away wrath or I can marry the contentious lazy girl. Like, so there's a spectrum there. Mm-hmm. And so I need... So, so then what could happen at that point is there's a multitude of counselors who, who, uh, you just go to, you know, go to godly older people and say, Hey, you know, um, how do I, what are some ways I could identify a contentious woman? What are some ways you think I could help me to identify a hardworking girl? Mm -hmm. What are some of the character? But you see, but that that's all in the language of wisdom, still acknowledging I have freedom to make a decision. And then I'm going to make certain calculations and then, you know, if you have family and you have pastors and you have people in your life, you say, hey, well, what does this girl look, look, look like to you? Does she look like she'd be a hard worker? Does she look like she'd be contentious? Does she look like she loves the Lord, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> the, and the things of the Lord, right? So if you marry a godly girl who knows the Bible, that's going to be an easier time than an ungodly girl who doesn't know the Bible. So help me to, you know, I, so get people along the line and say, hey, is she showing fruit and evidence of being a Christian? But like that's all like how wisdom works to where you're looking at the things the Bible tells you to look for, and then you're enlisting help and other sets of eyes. Because obviously, you know, if you're a guy, you're blinded by the physical. (laughs) (laughs) Uh Uh-huh, yeah, yeah. But that would be, I mean, that's just an example of like the types of things that the Bible is not going to tell you who to marry. God's not going to tell you who to marry, but the Bible is going to give you character traits to look for. And then... The better you're able to identify those character traits in other people, the easier your marriage will be. Although no marriage is easy, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like completely, but like you're put, you're making a wiser choice. It's going to make things easier for you. 
if that makes sense. But that's kind of, but then you get more people involved in the process. They're all helping you to see these things. And, you know, and, and, and so, I mean, that's just an example of how like wisdom actually works is it's not, um, you know, but then there, there is, so, so there's what you call like biblical wisdom like that, which mm-hmm. is wisdom that's grounded in the scriptures. But then there's, there is also practical wisdom that even, you know, pagan parents can give to a person at a certain time. And, it, it, you know, so it's just like, hey, yeah, you, you, you know, you're working at McDonald's making $10 an hour and that's wonderful. It helped get, got you through college or whatever. But now you're wanting to get married, and like, um, have you ever done a budget before? And <laughs> yeah, <laughs> do you know what it costs? Like, what an apartment costs? And you know, the Bible says that no one like um, sets out to build a tower without counting the cost. And like, mm-hmm. I think even secular pagan, par- a lot of secular pagan parents could help you to you know, have that wisdom of life experience to help you to just know how to do basic math and <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> like, here are some of the things that you need to look for, you know, like to, to be, to be aware of you're going into marriage for the first time. Well, you have to not only worry about like, um, you know, the rent and the power and the gas. Did you, did you even put power and gas on your little budget? <laughs> what about gas? What about gift? What about, what about gas? What about gifts? What about medical expenses? Mm-hmm. You know, so, I think that there's a, there's a lot that, um, like, are you setting yourself up for failure? Do you know, uh, what you're doing? So, uh, so yeah, I mean, I think that there's, there's all sorts of, uh, ways to approach that, but that just is just a few thoughts on how yeah. wisdom works. And, uh, and maybe, maybe you said this too, I might've missed it. I'm not sure, but, uh, isn't, doesn't the Bible say that, you know, also we should be, um, praying and asking God to give us wisdom and he, and then. It, the Bible even goes so far as to say that he will give wisdom to the person who asks for it and doesn't doubt. Yeah, so that's where um, um, there's two basic ways that people hear that to be communicating. Okay. okay. So you you're you're either um, so you know oft, often you know when you talk about all right, there's a lot of freedom in the decision making process, but then you need to use wisdom in the decision making process. Like to people who are trained in charismatic ways of thinking, that sounds very unspiritual, right? Mm-hmm. So it just sounds like it's just you know purely pragmatic and you know intellectual exercise that you're not asking God for help. But no, the problem is it's like what you should be like. So you have to answer the question: Well, how does prayer relate to it all? Right? Okay. Yeah. So for the charismatic, prayer relates to it all is that you're praying for wisdom, and then you're expecting an answer that's going to be revelatory. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> so Lord, give me wisdom and who to marry. The expectation is what that's, what you're saying then in the charismatic framework is Lord, tell me her name. <laughs> show you know, me the it, verse. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so tell me her name somehow. Now that's going to either be, show me her, the verse in the Bible. So you may just flip the Bible open to a random part and put your finger down. And it's like, Oh, it landed on a girl's name, Rachel. I guess that's who I need to marry. You know, and it just so <laughs> happens I'm interested in a girl named Rachel. Big surprise, you know? Yeah. You know, so it could be like that. It could be like, Hey, I, you know, I'm, praying about who to marry and praying. And then I, well, you know, was behind the car with a license plate that said, Rachel, you know, 
Or, mm. or I'm praying like, Lord, tell me who to marry, tell me who to marry. I want it to be Rachel. And then I asked her and she said, yes. So that must be an open door. You know, that must be God's, that must be confirmation. So like when you're praying for wisdom like that in the charismatic way, you're expecting some kind of circumstantial answer to tell you you did the right thing. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. But then when you're, when you're praying for wisdom in the biblical sense, what you're praying for is like, Lord, help me to understand your Bible, the Bible. Uh, and what you're what you're saying is, give me um, the knowledge of your scriptures that I need through, you know, my own personal study through other people to give me confidence about the revealed will that you've actually given me, so I know what the parameters are for the decision that you expect me to make. Does that make mm-hmm. sense? Yeah. And so. We can't even understand the Bible apart from God's help. We need God to illumine our eyes to help us to understand the Bible. And so what what you're praying is not tell me the right decision to make. You're praying, help me to understand um, everything that you've revealed about this subject so I can make a decision, so I can make a decision with your help that Mm -hmm. honors you. Does Mm -hmm. that make sense? Yeah. So it's not divorced from prayer, but it's not prayer asking for a, a revelatory extra biblical command. <laughs> yeah, like a specific answer to the specific question. Uh, no, you're... N- no, you're saying help me to know your word mm-hmm. through my study through other people, so that I. So it's like if you imagine yourself in 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 the garden, right? Mm-hmm. Well, there's only one command in the garden. Don't eat of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So what is Adam praying at that point? Like at that point, he's basically praying, Lord, help me to remember your word and help me to not violate your word, right? Mm -hmm. And help me to be a good steward of the creation that you've given me. Like help me to be wisdom and knowing how to carry through the other commands you've given me, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. You're saying, Lord, give me the wisdom to do and all that. But what you're not expecting at that point is you're not expecting some sort of extra word to say each step along the way. You know, today, Adam, I want you to cut a tree down and build a house, you know, right? (laughs) like what you're, you know, what you're asking for is just, Lord, you know, direct my steps in the way that you do, you know, (laughs) I want Mm -hmm. you, I'm asking you to direct my steps, help me to walk in a way that is pleasing to you. And then. You're, the only way you're going to know how you're doing that is by going back to the things revealed and mm-hmm. checking what you're doing in light of that, knowing that God's going to direct your step. He's, he's going to, you know, put you in the situations he wants you to put, 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 uh, wants to put you in. And, but it's, you're not expecting some sort of, you just continuing revelation that's happening every day, every moment to confirm the right choice. You know, mm-hmm. you're just walking in wisdom at that point. Does that make sense? Yeah. So how does the Holy Spirit work in the decision-making process then? If, if it's not like a prompting of the Holy Spirit or, you know, like a specific audible word or something um, from the Holy Spirit, how, how is he actually working um, in uh, the decision-making process? Does he, does he have a role in, um, for the Christian in the decision-making process at all? Yeah, well, the Holy Spirit has, uh, the, the primary purpose of the Holy Spirit is to point us to the revealed word. Uh, I mean, I can just give you a silly, silly example of uh, one of the ways in which this works, uh, but then uh, I can give you a few more. But um, 
when I was uh, when I was in Bible college, I, I was out at the um, master's college, and I was trying to find a job, and I had an apartment bill that I had to pay for, and I I knew how much money I had to make as a little more expensive living out there, and I'm putting resume out and resume out after resume, and uh, I couldn't get anyone to hire me, and you know way back in the days. There used to be these stores called Blockbuster Video. <laughs> yeah, I remember them. Low so many years ago, uh, but, uh, you know, before Redbox took over and Netflix mm-hmm. and all that. Uh, but, uh, the, like, I had gotten zero. I had gotten, I mean, zero response to all these resumes I'm putting out and wasting all this money driving around and trying to talk to people and just, hey, mm-hmm. give me a job, I'll do anything. Couldn't get anyone to hire me. But then... Uh, you know, I, I had a chance, and this was, you know, years ago, but they were going to pay me like $17 an hour years, you know, this is... Oh, wow. I was like years and years and years ago mm-hmm. to be a manager at Blockbuster, working a schedule that would be great for my school. Mm-hmm. And, but then what happened was I, it kind of dawned on me after this interview, she just, she wanted to hire me. She liked me. She wanted to hire me. And I'm like... Yeah, I mean, it was great. And I was like, answer to prayer, right? Answer to prayer. Mm-hmm. But then I thought, well, this means I'm going to have to stare at these video covers all day long. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then, because I, I just, you know, I, I really go into video stores that much. But then uh, I started walking around the store and looking and I'm like, oh, you know, I don't know if I can, I'm going to have to be looking at like um, women in various states of undress uh, mm-hmm. on these video covers all day long. And I thought, it, but then, like, then the Holy Spirit. What does the Holy Spirit do? He convicts the world of sin and righteousness and judgment. And Job says he made a covenant with his eyes. You know, lest he look at anything unclean. And I'm just thinking to myself, well, I'm a Christian. I'm going to Bible college. How can I? Is this helpful? Is this smart? <laughs> is, this, mm-hmm. is this is this good? Is this godly? Right. And so, I mean, yeah, I think the Holy Spirit brings to remembrance God's word, and God's words were brought to remembrance to my mind. And I just thought, well, I don't have a better plan, but uh, I'm just going to have to say no. Mm-hmm. And not, I mean, not knowing how to pay my bills, not operating out of desperation. Like, and so that, that's, I mean, that's one example. But I mean, like, there's been plenty of times where I, you know, like, where I'm just looking at what the Bible says and the Holy Spirit is convicting me about what he says. I mean, I've, I basically told every single job from when I was in early college on that I'm not going to work on Sunday because Mm -hmm. I want to go to church. And like, there's a lot of people who will work on Sunday and not be able to go to church and they won't make that a non-negotiable. And I've looked at, you know, I've looked at people and I've said, Hey, I love the job, willing to take it, but I'm not going to work on Sunday. Mm Mm-hmm. And they say, okay, yeah, well, I think we can, you know, mostly accommodate that. And, let, you know, there might be some sort of situations where, well, you know, have to, you know, someone calls in or something else. And it's just like, no, you don't understand. I'm not going to work on Sunday. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I won't work on Sunday. And if, uh, if you call me, I won't answer. But <laughs> I'll be available on the other days. Yeah. You know, and yeah. that's taken people by surprise at times. But it's like, no, I, I really won't answer. and I'm not going to come in at all mm-hmm. so hire me at your own risk but hey i'll do a great job on the other <laughs> days and they've actually hired me you know i've never lost a job a job opportunity that way mm-hmm. by just being honest but then like that would be the holy spirit at work f- giving you convictions and helping you to obey the truth right mm-hmm. and, and 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 so um but i mean the bible says you delight yourself in the lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart and i think that um as you read through the scripture and you 
like the Bible will shape your desires. And so it might be that, um, you know, as you're, as you're making decisions, you know, I, I mean, how many, you know, young kids had like, you know, stupid desires like early on in life that are just all about making a bunch of money and financial security. Not that that's bad. I'm just saying, but just, just desires that were totally materialistic and totally just worldly. And Hey, I want to be famous and I want to, you know, be rich and I want to, but then as you read through the Bible and you want to grow and like the, the, the Holy Spirit changes your desires in a way mm-hmm. that like, it's like, Hey, I want to maybe, um, I want to honor the Lord with my wealth, you know, whatever wealth I have. It's not just about just having a bunch of money. I want to honor the Lord with my wealth. I want to, you know, do things that are meaningful that will, and, you know, work is meaningful, but I mean, my goodness, like you can spend your life, you know, being a video game content creator on YouTube. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Hey, there's a lot of money in that, man. (laughs) Yeah. For a very few, you know, small percentage of the people out there, but, you know, or devote yourself to being a professional athlete, but it's just like, Mike. All right, yeah, maybe someone out there could do that, but then that may mean that you have a difficult time being a husband and a you know a church member, you know, and maybe maybe even the more spiritually minded you actually are, it's not just oh well the only options are be a pastor. It's just like but like your desires will change to Mm -hmm. you'll want you'll be attracted to the right things. I mean, you know, like a like a a person who never reads the Bible, they're not going to be able to make a good marriage choice no matter how hard they try because they just don't know they don't have the right desires. Mm-hmm. They don't know what godliness looks like. They're repelled by godliness. Does that make sense? Yeah. So like the, as the Holy Spirit is conforming you to the image of Christ, the more that your desires will be that of Jesus's and the more that you'll be attracted to the things that Jesus wants you to be attracted by. And that'll show up in how you make decisions. And so, it, I, you know, the problem is that people only have a category of the Holy Spirit basically speaking to you in some still small voice and whispering to you, mm-hmm. you know, these extra commands that God's hidden from you, but he has personally for you. And it's like, well, no, I mean, the Holy Spirit will conform you to the image of Christ. He's going to remind you of his truth. Uh, you know, he's going to be conforming you to the image of, of Jesus. And that's going to all show up in how you make decisions. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, now for the person who's listening and we, we both mentioned this earlier, uh, we're, so we're kind of in this boat in a certain sense, but the person who's listening and is thinking back to past decisions that they made and and thinking, hey, you know what? I actually, whether I realized it or not, I was actually thinking this way. Like uh, I was trying to remove myself um, from the responsibility of making choices for my life uh, and trying to put them on God instead in, in a way that isn't necessarily biblical. Um, I'm looking back at that. I'm realizing that I've done that. Uh, and now I'm wondering, well, was I, what, what do I do with that? You know, um, with the fact that I've done this in the past, is this like a sinful thing that I need to ask, uh, for forgiveness for, or is this just like a, Hey, all right, now I know that I don't need to actually be thinking that way. I need to take responsibility for my own decisions. And I, I just know that I need to, change my decision-making process in the future. Does that make, does that make sense what I'm asking? Yeah. Well, I think the major danger of this, um, kind of, you know, the mystical kind of approach to decision-making is that the major danger is that, you know, the Bible over and over again, you know, warns this God in his word. He doesn't really like us to put words in his mouth. Mm -hmm. And, 
you know, don't add to God's word or don't take away from God's word. You can just look up that kind of expression and it happens over and over again. And the law, it's, it shows up over and over again in you know, book, book of Revelation, New Testament at different points. Like God doesn't want you to, you know, add to his words or take away from his words. And, you know, a lot of that it would be described under the broader cat- category of the sin of divination, essentially. Like the mm-hmm. sin of divination is to seek to, you know, through circumstances and situations, like discern, you know, the divine will apart from revelation uh, and the scripture. And and I think all of us have been guilty of that at some point. And, 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 and yes, I mean, I, I think like when you're basically putting words in God's mouth and basically saying, God told me to take this job or to go to this church or God mm-hmm. told me to like marry this person. There's, there's been plenty of people who like, I mean, like the thing is like, God's not telling you to do that. Now, mm-hmm. um, like, and we should stop talking that way. And I do think we should probably repent of the way we're talking about it, like things like that, because we're, we're denying in the sufficiency of scripture. We're putting words in God's mouth and we're, and God doesn't really like doing that. Uh, so yes, I mean, I think, obvi- I think we should repent of that kind of stuff mm-hmm. and trust in the sufficiency of scripture and actually just, you know, real, like, realize that God's not trying to confuse us about his will. He's told us what his will is in the Bible. All we have to do is know it and, and, you know, trust and obey for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus than to trust and obey. Mm-hmm. So yeah, mm-hmm. yes. But then the thing is that God does use our, you know, kooky charismatic mysticism to accomplish his purposes too. So, I don't think, so like, I mean, God uses all that and like, uh, um, you know, he, he's, it didn't take him by surprise. And, and you know what, like, hopefully, I mean, it can be a, you don't have to double down on it and just say, sanctify it and basically just say, well, you know, if that's, if, if God isn't telling, going to tell me how to make every, each decision to make every, you know, it's, uh, supposing the person is like <laughs> persuaded by this and not just mortally offended, mm-hmm. you don't have to just double down on it and say, well, now, you know, everything in my life in my life was based on mysticism and subjective impressions. So you know, I don't even know what to do anymore. You know, if I go this route, it's like, well, just start today. Just read the Bible and trust God and 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 realize that there's no plan B for your life. God's sovereign. He's sovereign over your craziness. And sometimes he uses your, the, even the, you know, crazy, uh, you know, stuff to accomplish his purposes too. Uh, but then now that you know, just, you know, approach it in a different way, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I, I've made plenty of dumb, mystical decisions that have impacted my life in a dramatic way mm-hmm. that, you know, I mean, I can just like, well, I guess everything was a lie. It's just like, well, yeah, that wasn't <laughs> a good way to make a decision. And now I've learned from that and I don't do that anymore, you know, but mm-hmm. then God used that to get me to a place where I learned that that was all nonsense, you know? So, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah and it's a good on. thing. It's a good thing. We don't live in old Testament times either, where <laughs> if, if we had, you know, gone up to an Israelite and said, Hey, God, God told me this. And then yeah, it, it didn't end up happening. Yeah, we'd be stoned somebody. to death. Yep. <laughs> that, that's probably hey, a we, mercy we that we should be thankful that. for. <laughs> We start doing that as a society that would clean it all up pretty quick though. Yeah, it would definitely stop. <laughs> it would definitely stop 
all the, everyone from thinking this way. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, God told you to brush his hair instead of evangelizing him, huh, Beth Moore? Let's go get the rocks, you know? <laughs> yeah. That would have, that would have uh, saved a generation of, uh, uh, of crazy women. women. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so. um, and, and I guess in closing, would you say, you know, when, when we, when we abandon the crazy charismatic way of trying to make our, the decisions for our lives and instead just decide, Hey, you know what? I think the Bible is true. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to trust in the sovereignty of God. I'm going to trust in his word that it's infallible. Um, and that hidden within it are the secrets of life. Um, I'm going to trust those things and then trust that I also have a certain degree of freedom and what is permissible. And then I'm just going to make a decision from there. Uh, you wouldn't you say that that's certainly, um, the, the, um, way to honor God and the decision making process, the way to glorify him is when you say, Hey, look, I don't need anything extra. You said your word is enough. I trust your word. I'm going to search it for the answers that I need. And then, and then, you know, apply that wisdom and make a decision and commit to it. Wouldn't you say that that's honoring the Lord? Well, it, it is obviously for a variety of reasons. I mean, it's, it's honoring to the Lord because uh, it helps you to fixate on the things that are actually revealed in the Bible, period, right? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, there the vast majority of people, like, uh, you know, professing Christians out there who are straining and struggling and searching and trying to, you know, you know, uh, trying to hear God uh, tell them what to do. Right. If they would just read the Bible, they would be remarkably more holy, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> hey, you want to know God's will? You don't have to, you know, struggle and strain and everything else. Just in everything, give thanks for this is the will of God. I mean, can you imagine what the church would be like if they took, like, in everything, giving thanks a lot more seriously than they took trying to struggle and strain and hear what God has to say about diet. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, what job they should take and everything and all that. Yeah. You know, if they just thought, hey, this is God's will to abstain from sexual immorality and everything, give thanks. And then, you know, the Bible tells me that Christians don't forsake the assembly of saints. Can you imagine if, if all professing Christians would say, hey, I'm going to be joyful? Mm-hmm. I know. I know looking at my own life, if I had taken even half of those commandments seriously from an earlier point in my life, yeah, I would have avoided a lot of heartache. I mean, just those three. I'm mean, just just those three. You imagine right. if the entire church would quit trying to hear from God, mm-hmm. and they would just do those three things. What would happen to the church? It would be different, you know. Right. <laughs> like, right. It would be remarkably different if they would just devote themselves to the things that are actually revealed. It, we, it would look totally different, you know. If if we would just look at the things that the Bible are saying, you know, um, you know, like in terms of just male female roles, in terms of. Uh, the things that God wants for the church, a church that practices church discipline. If we just devote ourselves to the things that the Bible actually says, instead of like devoting ourselves to the things he's not saying audibly, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we would be totally different. We'd be totally transformed. It would totally glorify him if we would just devote ourselves to these things. But the problem right. is we're, we don't know what those things are and we're totally bored with them. And so mm-hmm. there's that. But then not only that, I mean, it, it, like not only would it glorify God more, it would be... Um, it would just, it would free the church of worry and strain. I mean, I, mm-hmm. you know, there's, there's like, um, 
I went, you know, when I was younger, we went to different, you know, camps growing up, you know, with our youth group and all that. And one, one of the funniest things was that like there was camps that I went to that structured every element of your day, like from start to finish. Mm-hmm. And then, then there's this one camp that we went to. I can't remember what it was called, but basically it was like the vast majority of it was unstructured, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'll tell you as a kid, I loved that unstructured camp way more than I love the one that micromanaged every part of your life. Like I, in, like, you, you know, you'd like the freedom, you know, I could, mm-hmm. I could go play basketball when I wanted to play basketball at this camp. I could go play ping pong when I wanted to play ping pong at this <laughs> camp. I could do what I want, you know, I could do what I wanted to do at this camp. Like that was a great, that was my, like, that was the best kind of, but then what, what people want in the Christian life is they want to be totally micromanaged by some secret will of God. Yeah. And if you could just get your brain out of that kind of way of thinking and realize God's given you the freedom to do what you want to do with some constraints on it, right? Mm-hmm. Then one of the things that you could do is just that would liberate you. You don't have to be always worried about displeasing God. You don't have to always be worried about, you know, messing everything up. He's sovereign. He's told you what to do. You know, just don't eat of the tree, tree for the tree of knowledge, good and evil. You know, don't you just know the book, man. Know the book. It's not meant to be complicated, you know. But then in every situation you're finding yourself in, if you can imagine being at a job where the boss's expectations are never communicated to you and you're always doing the wrong thing, right? Mm-hmm. Everyone knows how stressful that is. That, yeah. that is really stressful to like not know the rules and know that everything you do is going to be wrong and you're not told. But people think the Christian life is like that when it's not. God's told you what to do. And just if you want to know how to please God, he's told you. Just read it mm-hmm. and just do that. And you don't have to second guess it. And you don't have to be like laboring under this burden of God's always going to be mad at me because I have to make some sort of perfect decision in order to... It's like, no, he's told you what to do. Just do what mm-hmm. he says to do. And then... Like, you know, get people involved and realize, hey, you have freedom. You have freedom to make a choice and there's no right or wrong choice. And so it obviously glorified God and it would obviously keep us from being so stressed out all the time. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, you know, and I I think that's a great place to end on, on that reminder that God actually has given us freedom, you know, um, to make a lot of different decisions. And uh, he's given us, you know, certain guidelines to operate in. And we can even trust that those guidelines that he set for us are ultimately for our good. And they, they protect us from a lot of unnecessary heartache, unnecessary, you know, um, uh, bad consequences that we would have to face if we ignored them. And, and so hopefully the people listening, you hear what we're saying and and maybe you're the person who's thought this way. I know, I, I know I've thought this way plenty of times in the past and, and so often, um, you know, I ended up making the wrong decision because really I was just wanting to justify my own selfish uh, choices and remove myself from responsibility. And so ho- hopefully the people listening to this um, can be encouraged to know that, hey, you know, first of all, God offers forgiveness uh, when when we say that God's told us certain things that he hasn't actually said. He, he offers forgiveness uh, if we would just ask him for it, but then also he's not holding us to some, you know, hidden uh, set of rules or uh, hidden will for us that he hasn't revealed. That's you know, um, basically unfair. He ha- he hasn't done that. He's he's revealed everything through scripture, and scripture tells us that it's 
that, that it is sufficient um, for everything that we're going to face in, in this life. And so that claim is either true or false. There is no it's half true, uh, it's half false. It's either true or it's false. And if it's false, then we need to throw out the entire Bible. Uh, if, if that claim is false, then the Bible is a totally useless book written thousands of years ago that has uh, you know, no bearing on our life today. But if it is true, then we can know and trust that uh, whatever decisions we have to make in life can be found uh, in Scripture. Wisdom can be found in what God has told us and revealed to us through Scripture. And so we want to encourage you guys not only ask for forgiveness you know, for the times that you've falsely claimed God told you something when he didn't actually you know, say it in an audible voice like maybe you, you thought he did or, or whatever, but also just trust the Scripture. Go to the Scripture and find out what it says. Search, search it front to back you know, on whatever the decision you're, you're having to make. Look and see what it says and, and then use that to inform your decision making. So again, we want to thank you guys um, for listening to this episode and all the support you've been giving us. And we look forward to the next episode with you guys. This has been another episode of Bible Bashed. We hope you have been encouraged and blessed through our discussion. We thank you for all your support and ask you to continue to like and subscribe to Bible Bashed and share our podcast with your friends and on social media. Please reach out to us with your questions, pushback, and potential topics for us to discuss in future episodes at BibleBashedPodcast at gmail.com and consider supporting us through Patreon. If you would like to be Bible Bashed personally, then please know that we also offer free biblical counseling, which you can take advantage of by emailing us. Now, go boldly and obey the truth in the midst of a biblically illiterate world who will be perpetually offended by your every move.